Amen. Amen. Can y'all give the choir a hand one more time, man? Incredible job leading us tonight. Uh, man, uh, as we start out, I just want to, again, uh, just say thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you for showing back up. I was talking to my wife on the way over here from the hotel, and she goes, well, I just want to let you know, Ryan, it's Sunday night, so don't take it personal if nobody shows back up. And I, I, I quickly replied, and I said, oh, I'll take it personal, all right? And, uh, but she laughed, and I laughed, and uh, so I said, man, God is doing some incredible stuff here. And I just want to introduce you real quick to my family. Uh, they're not with me, but they are with us in spirit. It's my wife, Heather. Heather and I met in the first grade. That's no joke. That's the truth. We met in first grade. Don't wait. No, don't worry. We didn't get married till the third, but no. Uh, but seriously, I met in the first grade. We did date for an entire day in sixth grade. Let's go, somebody. All right. I mean, we made it a whole day. It was that whole deal like in the morning, hey, will you be my girlfriend? Yes. By the end of the day, I'm like, this is way too much work. We done. All right. Uh, then the eighth, eighth grade came. Eighth grade, an entire week we made it. Let's go, all right? Uh, an entire week in eighth grade, and I always say this, uh, just to be honest about what, what, a, what a man I was, even in eighth grade, um, I had my cousin break up with her for me in eighth grade, all right? So um, don't judge me. Uh, that's in the past, under the blood, all right? Um, and then uh, we did start dating our junior year in high school. We got married after our junior year in college. Uh, we've been married for a while now, and uh, we have three kiddos. Uh, Elon is 12 now, Inley is nine, and True is five. And on behalf of my family, um, I just want you to know they are praying for us. They're asking God to do great things. Um, I love sharing stories with my family about what God is doing. Uh, they'll always ask, hey, what did God do? What did you see happen? Uh, and so uh, I'm excited to get, be able to just share some things that God does this week because I do believe that, uh, man, we didn't just show up tonight to sit, to sing, and to go home and go, ooh, that was good. No, I believe we're in the house because God has some things that he wants to do. Amen? You see, I, I believe revival can be summed up in two words. You're going to hear them. All week long, we're going to scream them, we're going to shout it, we're going to say it together. Because when we talk about revival, it can be summed up in two simple words. Say it with me, somebody. Wake up. Now that's what we're here tonight to do. We're here to wake up. We're praying that this week God stirs us up. For some of you, God is going to wake you up from the dead. Because here's the truth. Some of you in this room are dead. Now you go, no nah, bro, I'm good. I'm breathing, heart's pumping. No, no, no. Physically you are alive, but if we're gut level honest, the truth is some of you in the room tonight, you are spiritually a dead. This is what the Bible says you are apart from Christ. You are dead in your transgressions and sins. You may be a good churchgoer. You may have gotten dipped, dunked, sprinkled, glazed. I don't know what happened to you throughout your life, but I'm just telling you this. You're in the church but yet Christ is not in you, and that means that you are spiritually dead. And so for some of you this week, you don't even know it yet, but the Holy Spirit of God is going to wake you up like he did me at 18 years old because I spent my entire life in the church under some great gospel preaching, and until I was 18 years old, I didn't realize, man, wait, I need Jesus. 
I need to give my life to the Lord. I need Christ to rescue me. And so for some of you, it's going to be this waking up from deadness and separation into life and relation. For some of you, you are in Christ. And you've been born again, maybe 40 years, maybe 40 days, maybe 40 minutes. But you've been born again. You are a, a child of God. But, but, for, but, but, but your walk is it's kind of grown cold. I know nobody wants to admit that because, you know, everybody puts on their church face when they come in here, right? I mean, you can be yelling and screaming and cussing. I know none of y'all cuss, but cussing in your car at your kids. But as soon as you, that, that, that van door slides open, it's like, God bless you. How are you doing? Amen. And the kids are like, what, what, what just happened? Like, like my, what? What? Well, you're going to be, God's going to wake you up from this, this coldness, this deadness. For, for some of you, God is going to wake you up and he's going to free you from some generational sin that you've been wrestling with that has owned you and shackled you. Not, not just for days and, and weeks and months, but for years and maybe even decades. This week, the, the Spirit of God is going to set you free just like we sang about earlier. But, but the call and the cry of revival is what? Say it with me again. Wake up. So tonight, I want you to do two things. Number one, get out your Bible. Open it up to Colossians chapter number three. Colossians chapter three. Get your Bible out. And number two, get something to take notes with. And pastor, I'm with you. I don't care if you're drawing them, you're crayoning them or whatever. Like, like get something to take notes with. Because I believe God has you in the house tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, listen up, he's talking to you. Go ahead and tell him, all right? I believe God has you in the house tonight, not just your spouse, not just your friends you brought, not just your kid. Because some of us sit in church like this. Mm-hmm, I hope they're listening. Am I right? Yeah, don't point at them because that's weird, okay? But, but the truth is this. Some of us are sitting in the house like, whoo, I'm glad they're here. Go get them, God. And the truth is, God may want to get them, but I promise you, there ain't a person in the house when the Word of God is open that God doesn't have some work to do in, including myself. Pastor, you can probably say this. There are times when we're preaching and we're like, man, this, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit of God just slams the mirror up at your face. He goes, no, no, bro, that wasn't for them. That was for you. And tonight, I believe God has a word from for us. And Colossians 3, we're going to get there in just a second. But, but I want to start in Genesis and, uh, because I want us to kind of launch out of the very first question that was ever asked in the Bible. And it's going to set us up for Colossians 3. See, what had happened is the Lord God had created everything. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. Everything was right. God gave Adam and Eve one command. Do y'all remember the command? Say it. Do not eat all the fruit in the middle. Like, don't eat. Like, you can have the whole garden. I, I love this. Get the picture, guys. Like, it's all yours. Every bit of it. Except this one thing. Now, anybody ever, anybody ever still wrestle with that whole thing right now? Like, like the Lord gives you all this, and he's like, but you can't have that, and that one thing you can't have is the one thing you tend to want. Am I right? Come on, anybody testify in the house, right? And so God says, you can have the entire garden. It's all yours. Have fun. Be fruitful. Multiply. You know, just, just, you, this is all yours, except for this. This one's mine. Don't do it. Y'all know the story, the serpent rolls up or slides up or slithers up or strolls up. I don't know how it went down. But he goes up and he says, hey, did 
God really say, right? Did God really say, right? This question was asked by the serpent, and then God comes with his first question asked to mankind because the lady listens, she bows, she, she, she crumbles, she gives into temptation, she grabs the fruit, she takes the bite, and Dodo, I mean, Adam walks up, and, and, and she goes, hey, you want a bite? And he's like, mm, sure, looks good to me, right? Takes a bite. They've sinned. Earth is shattered. Sin has entered the world. Man, now here we are, and then God strolls up. Y'all ever done something you know you shouldn't have done, and then you hear mom and dad driving up? Come on. Uh, when I was growing up... Um, we uh, moved into my grandfather's house after he passed away, and he had a, a white gravel driveway. And uh, when someone drove into the drive, you could hear them before they were there, right? Because you could hear the tires on the gravel pulling up. And, 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 and I never forget, man, if we were doing something we know we weren't supposed to do, and we heard the gravel, it was like, run, right? It was like, clean up, clean up the mess, you know? Maybe mom said, hey, before I get home, you better have that house clean. And you hear the tires hit the gravel, right? You're like, scrambling, yeah. And then you're in the room. Like, hey, Mom, how's it going, right? Act like nothing's going on. Well, God comes rolling up in the garden. Here's what the Bible says. And they heard the sound of God driving up in the drive. No, that's not what it says. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, for the very first time, check this out, the very first time ever, this man and wife who had been walking in communion with God, walking in relationship with God, enjoying fellowship with the Lord, their creator, for the very first time, they, what? Hid themselves. Now look at what happens. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. <laughs> but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, say it with me loud and proud, somebody, where are you? The very first question ever asked by God to man, where are you? Tonight, I believe God wants us to wake up to where you are. I believe if God could show up in the house tonight and he would grab the mic, I believe tonight he wants all of us, no matter how young we are, no matter how old we are, no matter how many times we've been to church, or maybe this is your first time to church, God wants dads and moms, children and teenagers, grandmas and grandpas, pastors and, and, and lawyers, he wants everybody in the house to answer this question. Where are you? Where are you? You. Now, here's the cool thing about this question. You ready? This question is not so that you and I can inform God about where we are. You know what? Like when God said to Adam and Eve, where are you? Guess where God knew? God knew exactly what? Where they were. God knew. He knew they were hiding. He's like, hey, where are you? It's not like God's like, come out, come out wherever you are. Right? It's not like you're playing hide-and-go-seat. Like, God knows. It's like my five-year-old trying to play hide-and-go-seat with me in the house. Like, bro, I hear you giggling under the bed, right? But I'm like, where are you, buddy? I can't find you, you know? And he's like, right? He's under the, I know. God knows where you are. The question was not so that Adam and Eve could inform God where they are. It's so that they would know where they are. 
And this question tonight to wake up to where you are, it's a question for us to wrestle with, not so that tonight we can inform God where we are, but that so we can realize exactly where we are. Colossians chapter number 3, Paul gives a command to the church in Colossae, and he, he throws it out like this. I love what he says. He says in Colossians chapter 3, if then you've been raised with Christ. Some of your versions would say it like this, since then you've been raised with Christ. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a Greek scholar, but, but, but apparently there's some argument over whether it's since or if. But the whole purpose of this question, the whole purpose of this statement is to get you and I to stop and to take inventory. Stop and take inventory of your life spiritually. And I believe revival will truly happen, not only like this morning when we get a glimpse of who God is, but I believe revival really happens when you and I get a reality check of where we are. Because until we know where we are, we don't know where we need to go. Until we realize where we are, we don't know where God wants to take us. And so Paul says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is. Where is Christ? Seated at the right hand of God. So set your minds on things that are above. Say it with me, church. Not on things that are where? On earth. There are three things that I believe that we need to answer tonight when it comes to the question, where are you? First of all, I want to ask you, where are you in regards to salvation. Right, write that down. Where are you when it comes to salvation? Look at what Paul said. He said, if then. That, that, that big little word that he starts there is what? Say it with me, everybody. If. If. So I love that Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and he's not even sure all of them are believers. Right? He's not even assuming anything. He's like, listen, I'm pinning this letter to you, and I want you to know that if then you have been raised with Christ. That, that raised with Christ is a pointer to if you are in Jesus, if there's been that time that you have recognized you are a sinner, that you realize you are separated, that you understand Jesus is your only hope. And in knowing you're a sinner separated from God and that Jesus is your only hope to get back to God, if then you have turned from sin, turned from self, trust in Christ if you have been raised with Christ. So I want to ask you tonight, you're in Pleasant Valley North. You're in the church building tonight. But I'm not asking you if you are in church. I'm asking you, are you in Christ? Do you know that you are indeed saved? Do you know you are born again? See, in Acts 4.12, the Bible says that salvation is found in, say it with me, somebody, no one else. Y'all didn't say that very well, so let's try it again. He says salvation is found in who? No one else else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved now what name is that 
It is the name of Jesus. The one we sang about, the one we lifted up, the one we pointed to. Why? Because the Bible says that you and I are sinners separated from a holy God. And you and I cannot work our way back, be good enough to get our way back, pay our way back, do enough good deeds to get back. You and I, as a matter of fact, are running from God. And God ran after us in his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, the Bible says, he came from heaven to earth so that he could bring men from earth to heaven. The Bible says that Jesus came, that he lived a perfect life. We can just stop right there, look at your neighbor and say, and you ain't perfect. Go and let them know right now. And, and you ain't perfect, right? See, I believe there are two ways to get to heaven. Number one, be perfect. Or number two, come to Jesus. That's it. That's all you got. Be perfect and spotless in thought, word, and deed your entire life. <laughs> or, or come to Jesus. What did Jesus do? He came to live the life you and I couldn't live. He fulfilled the law you and I break all the time. He came, he lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death we should have died. He was buried, put it in the grave that you and I should be in, and he rose again the third day to give you and I life and life to the full. So how do you know if you are in Christ? Well, uh, I'm a Christian. Well, how do you know? I ask teenagers this all the time. I'm like, hey, are you, you a Christian? They're like, oh, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, how do you know you're a Christian? You'll be amazed at the answers I get. Well, I mean, I go to church. That's good, right? Not, you should go to church if you're a Christian, but just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Am I right? No more than going to McDonald's makes you a Happy Meal. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like so you can't say, like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Awesome. Incredible. You should go to church. But going to church does not make you a Christian. I'll hear kids say this. I've been baptized. I'm like, awesome. I took a bath a couple times in church before I met Jesus. Anybody else with me on that, right? Like, like I got baptized two times before I met Jesus, right? Being baptized doesn't make you a Christian. I hear people say, well, I got confirmed. Oh, really? What does that mean, you got confirmed? Well, you know, I went through this class. I'm like, you went through a class. That's awesome. See, the Bible never says, hey, have you been baptized? Do you go to church? Have you gone through a class? Again, have you been dipped, dunked, sprinkled, glazed? Whatever it is, right? He hasn't asked any of that. Here's what he says. What have you done with Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus? As a matter of fact, some people ask, well, Ryan, can I really know? I watched, um, anybody ever know, anybody know Dennis Prager? Anybody ever watch, you know, Dennis Prager? He's got an incredible, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of political stuff. It's a lot of moral stuff. Um, he's a Jew. And, and the other day there was a post that was, and, and he, he was asked, what's the difference between Christians and Jews? I was like, oh, I can't wait for him to answer this. I want to hear this. And he said it out of his own mouth. He said, well, it's pretty simple. We Jews believe you work for your salvation, and Christians believe you can only get saved by grace through faith. I was like, great answer. Brokenhearted answer, but right answer. See, every religion in the world says this, do this and God will accept you. Here's what the Bible says, you can do nothing except have faith in what has already been done for you in Jesus Christ. See, this is the Christian message, and it messes people up, especially us because we want to work, we want to do, we want to earn, we want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, we want to do it ourselves. And here's what Jesus said on the cross, tetelestai, it is finished, it's done. I have accomplished all that it will ever take for you to have eternal life. All you and I can do is receive it.
Romans 10, 9 says it like this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Look at what he says, somebody. What does he say? Loud and proud, bold, underlined right there. Don't get, don't get quiet. Get loud with me. He says what? You will be saved. I'm like, let's go. In just a few verses later, he says, here's what he says, everyone, look at your neighbor and say, even you. Go, go ahead and let them know, all right? He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to ask you tonight, has there been the time in your life where you didn't just walk an aisle, you didn't just get in the baptistry, you didn't just, you know, get some ooey-gooey feelings, but in your life where you realize, Jesus, you are God, I am not. See, this is the verse God used to flip the script on my life. Because I was the uh, best friend, I was the good kid, right? I, and and it, I wasn't good because I loved the Lord. I was good because I was a people pleaser. Like I did good in school. I, I worked hard in athletics. I tried to obey my parents. I didn't, I didn't bat a thousand. But I'm just saying, compared to my buddies, like I was the good kid. I was the one the parents would tell their girls, hey, you need to date Ryan. He's a good guy. But here's what I found out at 18 years old. Jesus made a bold statement. There's none good but one, and that's God. And then God used this verse to open up my eyes. I'm like, Lord, what's missing? God, what is going on? I don't have any peace in my life, any joy in my life. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm trying to do the do's and don't the don'ts. But God, just something ain't right. And it was this verse that the Lord says, you know what's missing? It's me. You're trying to do church. You're trying to be Christian without Christ. And he says, listen, right? you've got to come to the place in your life where you bow your heart to me, confess me as Lord, invite me in. He says, believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. And in that moment, right, you have to do it. Your mama can't do it. Your daddy can't do it. Your granddaddy can't do it. Your pastor can't do it. Your youth pastor can't do it. It's only you who can receive Christ as your king by grace through faith. So I want to ask you, where are you? Where, where are you when it comes to salvation? Are you in Christ? Because Paul raises the question, if then you've been raised with Christ, See, I believe when the Lord came to Adam and Eve and he said, where are you? It's the same way he's coming to us tonight and going, hey, where are you? Where are you, number one, in regards to your salvation? Are you in Christ? Is he in you? Listen to me. If you don't know, tonight you can know. Tonight you can nail it down. Tonight you can take the step. You can take the leap. You can give all that you know of yourself to all that you know of Jesus. Trust in his full, finished work on the cross. Amen? Tonight's a good night to do that. Secondly, where are you, not just in regards to your salvation, but where are you in regard to your dedication? See, I think this is another question we need to wrestle with when it comes to revival. Where are you in regard to your dedication? Look, look, at, what, look, look at what Paul says. He says, if then you've been raised with Christ. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, here's, here's what he says. You need to, say it with me somebody, seek the things that are above. Look what he says next. Where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God and what somebody and set, say it, your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So I believe the second question we've got to answer tonight is this. 
Not just where are you in regard to your salvation. Some of you are going, Ryan, no, I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. Done. Got it. Well, that begs the second question. Where are you in regard to your dedication? In other words, maybe we'd ask it like this. Is your life in pursuit of the Lord daily? Are you pursuing the Lord? Look at what he says. Seek the things that are above. See, some of us think sign, seal, delivered, doom. I'm done. No, 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 no. The guy, guys, salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting line. It is, it is the start. So where Dennis Prager and I would differ is this, is that Dennis is trying to work to earn salvation, and I work because I am in salvation. See, I'm not working to earn. It's already done. It's already, I'm, I'm, I'm working because of who I am, not because of who I hope to be. See, as, as Christians, we are called to have a dedication to the Lord. That's why Jesus would say something crazy like this. If you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and daily follow me. So let me ask you, how are you in regards to your dedication? What does your walk with Jesus look like? How are you pursuing the Lord? How are you exercising your faith? How are you walking this thing out? See, in other words, let me just, let me just lay it down like this. How are you when it comes to just being in the Word? Let's just get base level, just gut level honest. How's that daily walk in the Word going? Because here's what Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that, that, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So is your Bible ever picked up except on Sunday? Like, do you even know where your Bible is? Like, when's the last time you read it? Sat in it. Memorized it. Study. How about prayer? How about talking to the Lord? When's the last time you memorized any scripture? When's the last time you truly just prayed to God, talked with God, laid it out before God? See, the first followers of Jesus were marked by some things. Acts chapter 4 talks about how, or Acts chapter 2 rather, when, they, when, they, when the 3,000 were saved, it says, and they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship and prayer. There were markers in their life. There was a pursuit in their life. There was a dedication in their life. I want to ask you, how does your dedication to the Lord, what does it look like outside of Sunday morning or Sunday night or, or Wednesday night? Um, it reminds me about when, when Jesus was writing to the church in Ephesus. He said to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. By the way, you can fool me, your wife, your kids, your, 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 your neighbors at work, and you can even fool yourself, but you'll never fool God. I know your deeds, he says. Look at this. Your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. This sounds like our church, right? It's like, ah, like, oh, I hate this. I run. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles and, and are not, and you found them false. You have preserved, persevered and have endured hardships for my name. And you've not grown weary. I mean, this sounds good, right? It's not a trick question. This sounds good, right? Yes. This is good. You're like, you're like, -hoo 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 -hoo. I mean, you're like the kid. You're like, go ahead, go ahead. Come on. Right? But here, now look at what he says. Yet, I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Here's what he's saying. On the outside, 
you're looking good. But let's talk about the heart. You're forsaking your first love. You're doing the right stuff. But your heart isn't in it. You've forsaken the love you had at first. So consider how far you've fallen. And what does he say? He says, say it with me, somebody. Everybody say it loud and proud. He says, repent. Change your mind. Turn around. Uh, a change of mind that produces this change in action. Do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says that you and I, as followers of Jesus, we are called not to live in neutral, not to coast, but we are called to be dedicated followers of Jesus. Full on, heartfelt, let's go all in followers of Jesus. Here's the truth. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Mac and I were talking yesterday. I'm from Texas. Um, I happen to be a Longhorns fan. Now, now, they lost, shockingly, uh, yesterday by one point. And, and Pastor Mac had the boldness to say, I'm glad. I'm like, bro, like seriously, like we just met. He's like, no, you don't understand. That would have been like weeping and mourning in the church house if Bama would have lost yesterday. Yeah. So you're like, Amen. Right? Now, <laughs> um, so, so, so here's the thing that breaks my heart sometimes, though. Some of us are more upset when our football team loses Y'all ready? And the Cowboys are about to play tonight, all right? So, all right, just letting you know. They're playing tonight. And, but some of us are more upset when our football team loses than we are when we get out of step with God. Our heart is more in tune with 11 dudes on a football field than it is with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We know every stat, every player, every play, every, where they grew up, what high school they went to, what, what, you know, how long they've been there. We watch them, we follow them, and we just are in, and our hearts are all in. Let me tell you something. And yet, when it comes to the things of God, we're like, yeah, you know, I went to church. Yeah, I showed up. How, how are you? How are you when it comes to your dedication to the Lord? Are you pursuing him? I just got to be gut level honest like you are that big buck. Are you pursuing the Lord like you are that next promotion? Are you pursuing Jesus like you are those followers on TikTok? Are you pursuing Jesus like you just fill in the blank? See, there are things of the world that creep in, and if we're not careful, they can take over. There's a lot of good things that we allow to become God things. I'm not saying don't watch football. I'm not saying don't have a team. I'm not saying don't cheer them on. I'm just saying sometimes we got to stop, and that's what revival is for, for us to stop, to examine our lives and go, hear from the Lord. Where are you? Where are you? When it comes to your salvation, where are you when it comes to your dedication, your pursuit, you're going after the Lord, you're living for him, you're selling out for him, where are you? And then Paul goes on and he says this, he says, listen, I want you to understand, he says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, he's seated at the right hand of God, so set your minds on things above. What in your life, where does your mind need to be reset? 
Where does your pursuits need to be reset? Where are you in regard to salvation, in regard to your dedication? But where are you when it comes to your relation with the Lord? Where are you? Paul would go on and two verses later he would write this. Put to death. That's a strong phrase. Right? Can we just look at that? Put to death. Therefore. Now, now what's the therefore? Therefore, if you are in Christ. Now listen, if you're not in Jesus, you don't need to stop sinning. You need to come to Jesus. Right? You, you don't need to confess your sins. You need to confess Christ as Savior. See, if you're not in Christ, he's not talking to you, but he says if you are in Christ, where are you in regard to your dedication? Where are you in regard to your relation? By the way, if you are in Christ and some of this stuff is in your life, here's your only option. Put it to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you. Just, just going to read it. Sexual immorality. You're like, what is that? Any sexual act physically, mentally, emotionally, outside of the bonds of biblical heterosexual marriage. You're welcome. Any of it, anything, mentally, emotionally, physically. Everybody got it? Do I, need, I don't need to go into details. I see young people in the house. Impurity. Impu what is impurity? Every, anything that's not pure. What is in your life that is impure? Here's what the Bible says. Put it to death. Get rid of it. Don't mess around with it. Don't hang around with it. Get rid of it. Passions. These are lusts inside of you that aren't of God. These passions that are in you that don't. Evil desires. Covetousness. All of this is idolatry. All of this is making an idol out of something that isn't God. And here's what he says. Put it to death. See, because on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too, here it is, once walked. If you're in Christ, he's like, don't go back to it. You used to live like that. You used to do that. And maybe it's calling you back. Maybe it's calling your name. And he's saying, get away from it. Run from it. Don't go back to them. In these you once walked when you were living among them. But now you must. I like that he said you might. He, did, he didn't say this. But now you might want to think about considering. He doesn't say that, does he? He uses very strong language here. He says, stop. That's what he says. You must put them away. Stop messing with them. Stop trying to wean yourself off of it. He says, put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. He doesn't ever say, you know, here's what we do. With stuff like slander. Right, you know, talking about people. Um, we say dumb things like this. You know, that's. That's just how Mary is. Isn't it amazing how we do it in the church? We got gossips in the church. We're like, oh, Bob's been that way his whole life. Not that this Bob, but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> right? It's just how it is, right? I mean, you know, that's, we say stuff like that. Well, you know, that's just how old so-and-so is. The Bible never excuses it. The Bible says, here's what you do with that kind of mess. Put it away. Be done with it. Put it away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Put it away. 
Why? What does this stuff do? Why? Because it separates you in your relation in God. You do not lose your salvation, but you lose a relation. Check it out in Isaiah 59. He says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor the ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have what? Somebody say it. Have separated you from God, and your what? Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. See me like, I just don't feel like God's hearing my prayers. Often ask this, what sins in your life? Nobody wants to hear that though. Nobody wants to look in the mirror. They want to point the finger. We all do that. And here's what the Bible says. Listen, if you don't feel like God's hearing your prayers, there might be a sin problem in your life. What is in your life that needs to be confessed, need to be dealt with, need to be laid down? Because here's the truth. Sin will keep you from your walk with God or your walk with God will keep you from sin. One or the other. Be like, you know, I just don't feel like reading my Bible lately. Listen to me close. What sin is in your life that's keeping you from reading the Bible? Well, you know, I just don't feel like really praying. What sin is in your life that's keeping you from not wanting to pray? Well, I don't really, you know, church, ah, you know, I mean, I just feel like I can, people say dumb stuff like this, right? I just feel like I can meet with God anywhere. I'm like, you can, but what is keep, what sin is in your life that's keeping you from fellowship with other believers? Like, like, what is in your life that is keeping you from pursuing God? What is breaking up that relationship? So what do I do with that? Well, the Bible says, listen, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do two things. I love this. Number one, what? Forgive our sins. And number two, what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as I've been preaching, um, my guess is the Lord, the Holy Spirit of God may just be hitting you with some stuff. You're like, what do I do with this? Here's where you start. If you are a believer, you confess those sins. You confess them. What is, that means you bring your life into agreement with what God says about it. You confess it. God, I admit this is wrong. It is sin, and I should not be in pursuit of this. God, forgive me, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. See, there's only two options. If you are in Christ tonight, here's how you discover. When you see where you are, here's how you get in the right path. You confess your sins if you're in Christ, and God forgives you, cleanses you, and brings you into this right relationship. The fellowship begins, and you start walking with him again. If you're not in Christ, you don't confess sin. You confess Christ as Lord. I'll show you again. Here it is. If I'm not in Christ tonight, if you're not in salvation, look what he says to confess. He doesn't say confess your sins. What does he say? Confess Jesus as who? As Lord. So if I'm lost in the room, I don't know Jesus, what you need to do tonight is come in a moment and just confess, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. I want you to be my Lord. But if you are saved tonight and there's sin in your life and there's dedication and relation, what do you need to confess? I'm glad you asked. You confess your sins. So we come and we confess. We lay our sins down to the Lord. So let me ask you tonight, where are you? Where are you in regard to salvation? Where are you in regard to dedication? Where are you in regard to relation? See, where are you tonight? I don't believe anybody walked into this house with it all together. But I believe tonight we can all walk out of this house with it together. Not because we're good, not because we got it together, but because God is good. Man, if you don't know Christ is king, tonight's the night. Forgetting what anyone else does, take the step, come to Jesus, confess him as Lord, say I'm yours, I'm in. Lord, save me, come on, and everything will change.
If you are, are in Christ and there's sin in your life, come clean. You're like, well, it's not that bad. <laughs> Is it not? If it wasn't that bad, why did Jesus have to die for it? And it's time just to come clean, to lay it out, and allow the blood of Jesus, as we sang about, to cleanse us, to wash us. See, tonight, I just believe the Lord is kind of drawing a line in the room. And I believe I get the picture of, like, what was happening when, when, when Joshua was standing before all of Israel. And he said this. He said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. And I don't know if he drew a line of sand or not, but I, I just imagine God tonight just, just drawing a line for us. And he's going, listen, if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, if this seems messed up for you, if you realize you're on the wrong side of the line, listen, if that seems undesirable for you, choose for yourselves one day down the road some other time. Is that what he says? Is that what he said? Look what he said. He said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then, say it with me, church, choose for yourselves this day, today, right now. You've put it off long enough. You've played with the sin long enough. You've been lax in your walk with God long enough. You've been saying, one day I'll get saved long enough. Choose this day for yourselves whom you're going to serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. you got a choice tonight. You can keep wallowing in sin and serving the gods of this world, or, <laughs> boy, I, I just, we need men like this. We need women, we need students like this. But as for me, <laughs> it always starts right here. It always starts right here. As for me, I don't care what anybody else does. But as for me, in my house, say it with me, church. We will serve the Lord. What about you? We're just going to play games, sing some songs, hear a sermon, write some notes, give some high fives and hugs and go home. Business as usual. Are we going to be serious about doing business with the Lord tonight? I just don't believe we got up, came here today just to say, yep, yeah, that was a good church. No, no, no. I, I believe there's three things that you need to do. Number one, you need to realize where you are. So I'll ask you again. Where are you in regard to salvation? Is Jesus your king? If he is not, listen to me close. Here's what he's saying to you tonight. Come. Come follow me. Come on. Come. Where are you in regards to your dedication? You're like, man, I used to get up and read. Man, I used to pray. I feel like all the time. Man, I used to share my faith with other people. But man, I just kind of got busy. Life happens. Listen, it does. But we got to stop living in neutral. Where are you in regard to your relation? Is there sin that is breaking that relationship with God? Is there some secret sin in your life? Or maybe it's a public sin that everybody knows about, and it's time for you to repent and turn back to God. Where are you in regard to salvation, dedication, relation?
Realize where you are. Then decide where you want to go. That's a beautiful thing about our Lord. He's like, go ahead, decide. Right? That, that always, <laughs> my parents would get me with that sometimes. Like, I don't know, Ryan, you choose. I'm like, oh, no, 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 don't do that to me, right? But that's what the Lord says to us tonight. Hey, you want to continue in your sin? Okay. You can choose. And I'm just saying tonight, you need to decide where you want to go. And then, what, wherever you want to go, whatever direction you want, your life, your family, your, your, your heritage, your legacy, your family, whatever direction you want it to go, listen, take a step in that direction tonight. If it's salvation, here's what I'm going to say. Take a step out. Come tonight. Put your hand in the hand of one of our pastor's hands and say, tonight, man, I gave my life to Jesus. Because I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. It's in dedication. You're like, man, I need, to, I need to get serious about reading the word again. What step are you going to take? Maybe you just step out and you come and you say, Lord, I just really want to start reading again. God, I want to pray again. God, I want to pursue you again. God, I, I need to do that spiritual work. Exercise myself for the purpose of godliness. What, what about sin? You're like, man, I'm sick of this sin. What are you going to do? Are you going to turn, step toward Jesus, come home? I got good news. Just like I said this morning, the Father is not waiting for you like this. If you are his, he's waiting for you like this. Come on, home. So I don't know where you are tonight. But I'm just going to say, wherever you want to go, take that step. Take one step tonight, Dad. Take one step tonight, Mom. Man, I remember when I used to pray with my kids, you might say. Tonight, pray with your kids. Man, I remember when we used to read the Word in the house. Man, tonight, read the Word. I don't know what step you need to take, but take that step tonight.